minds to be open to what you've got to say tonight. Amen. Test, test. Here we are then. Under the light. Beam me up, Scotty. It's getting tough down here. Yay, God. So, (coughs) you know, we are so blessed to have the worship team that we do. All of the guys that stand up. It's extraordinary. Extraordinarily talented people with hearts to serve and to press into the presence of God. We appreciate you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, really. I, I wanted to uh, really, um, what do I want to do? I, I had a real job discovering a title for tonight because really what I want to do is to just kind of give a few thoughts that are going through my mind at the moment. And, and it's kind of in connection with some of the events that have been happening recently. And I'm very aware that there are kind of lots of people that are very disappointed and very sad. And there are a lot of people who are quite pleased and all of this sort of stuff, you know. And it, it's, it's kind of where do we go from here? What is this about? Because I believe God's in it. I really do believe God's in it. God's on the throne. And it is going to be Okay, so now what I don't want to do in this is to look at any of the arguments. I am not interested, okay? I don't want to look at this from a rational point of view. I really don't. Thank goodness, because we've had enough of that. We've seriously, seriously had enough of all of that. But I just want to give a little bit of testimony of, of something of the way I felt that God was speaking to me. And I found it quite difficult, in a way, when, when he spoke this to me, like about nine months ago, I think it was, when I first son of got the whisper. Um, because then, you know, once you've got the whisper, you have to then begin to work out what it looks like and everything. But I can remember going for a walk with Heather at some stage quite a while ago, and just, like, getting one of those little spontaneous thoughts. You know... I think we're supposed to be separate from Europe for this next season that we're going into. And it was not something I'd thought through. It's not something that I had rational reasons for. What I had been doing is praying through the word from Jean Darnell. Okay, I'd been looking at it and I'd been... And Dave very uh, eloquently kind of took us through some of that this morning. Uh, but I want to revisit again because it, it bears restating, okay? And, and quite a lot of people who are here weren't here this morning. So, um, but in this in this word, um, it was basically about the, the point where the lightning from heaven comes and strikes the little pinpricks of fire across the UK. Um, I won't go through the entire picture, so you have to kind of Google it on the internet if you don't know all of the details, but. Essentially, there is this point where there's lots of little fires over the UK and then this lightning from heaven comes and strikes them and it turns into rivers of fire that run from the north to the south of the country, okay? And, and then it flows over, some flow, some stop at the border. I hadn't heard that before. I hadn't actually picked that up, but when you read it out, I picked it up again. Some stopped at the, at the channel and others flowed over and into Europe, 
And I'd been praying about this and Jean herself interpreted the word and said, look, this speaks, this particular part of the word speaks of a time of national awakening that is going to come to the United Kingdom, to Great Britain. Great Britain, she calls it. She doesn't call it the United Kingdom, she calls it Great Britain. And, but a time of national awakening where it would kind of go out onto the streets. It wouldn't be just like the churches getting a little bit excited and she could have her and all of this sort of stuff. It was actually going to go out onto the streets and people would begin turning to Jesus you know, almost spontaneously. That was the flavour of it. And it would begin to pervade the whole of society, right into kind of government and everything. And I just thought, as I was praying this through, do you know what? I think, I think for this season, when this happens, when this national awakening begins to break out, I think we need to be in charge of our own laws. I think there's something in that. And, and, Honestly, I had no agenda whatsoever, whatsoever. I, we love Europe. We, most of our best holidays have all been in France. We love red wine. You know, we, we are European. We are, and we don't stop being European just because we're not governed by Brussels, okay? We are still that set of people. And I really have no agenda at all. I have no agenda. Actually, I would love it to stay with completely open borders so people could come and go. Uh, That's not not a problem to me. I think the more people that come in, the more that can be exposed to this move of revival that is going to happen. So that's, I've got no agenda on that. I've really got no agenda in any of it other than what I feel God has whispered in. That this is a season where... We need to be in charge of our own laws. So, that being said, I, you know, I haven't come out... I, I've spoken to one or two people, a few of the leaders, about what I thought, but I haven't actually said anything public. I haven't come out and said, look, this is how you should vote and all of that sort of stuff. I, I kept, Heather kept me purposefully out of that. She said, <laughs> don't, don't put anything up there at all. And I said, yes, dear. And she was quite right, of course, uh, because it's undue influence and all of that sort of stuff. But, and, uh, but the more I began to think about it and pray about it, and I, I'm just thinking, how can this possibly happen? You know, how can this, how can this come about? Because it just seems, it kind of seems madness in a way, because every, there was all this fear going around and everything. And uh, I think there was a little bit of anxiety began to rise up in me and, uh, and it all sort of came to a head last week where we were worshipping on the Tuesday morning and we were just getting in the presence of God and it was kind of just a lovely place to be. And I, I'm kind of in my mind, as well as singing and, and praying and all that, I'm, I'm saying to God, look, what about this? It's like it, kind of all these people saying there's going to be a recession, there's going to be trouble, there's going to be difficulties. And, and I just felt the Lord say to me, Phil, it's all right, I've got this. I've got this, really, relax, you know. And I felt like he said, you just vote the way you you want in your heart, but I've got this. I've really got this. You don't have to make anything happen. And so off we go, and and I start to move on to the next thing. I just assume he's got this. And I really got to the point that day where I thought, we stay in, we stay in. If we leave, we leave. It's okay. God's on the throne, he's got it. 
he's got it in his hand and I really relaxed into it and it, it came uh, and I, was, I wasn't going to say this but I'll say it because of what was just up on the offering declaration thing there but on the Thursday when everyone's beginning to vote okay me and Alex who uh, we've got a heart to see kind of finances released okay we, that's we've been looking at it for probably 10-15 years and one of the areas is in the area of investment and we were talking to each other and we thought look whatever happens to the day there's going to be a lot of change around so maybe we should be kind of doing some kind of trade you know currency trade or whatever and uh, we said let's pray let's ask the Lord what's going to happen and then we'll know which way to do it we thought if ever there was a day to do it this is the day and so we're praying on the Thursday and we're kind of going Lord what is it what is it what is it what is it and I just couldn't get it at all so we, we go home and we uh, kind of sit down and the news is all full of it, isn't it? It's just like wall-to-wall scaremongering and all sorts of stuff from all sides. And then suddenly this little text comes through from Alex and says, you know, I think the euro's going to weaken. And I said, well, that's interesting because I just heard, I felt the Lord whisper, we're coming out. And this was when they were saying remain was like eight points ahead and everything. And I thought... Well, that's a bit of a risk, but why not? Let's step out on it. And so we did. We put a trade on the falling euro and the strengthening dollar and all of that sort of stuff. And oh my goodness, when it turned round later that night, that kind of little investment that we made made 200% on one night, which is, that's not bad for an investment. So ideas for investments. But the point is, I believe God is not surprised by this. Okay, as I said this morning, he's not up there wringing his hands saying, oh my goodness, what have they done? He is still on the throne. He has purposes for our lives. I have been through so many situations where I thought, this is it, it's kind of all is lost. Why carry on? You know, where things have gone wrong. And it's only later when you kind of look back on the whole thing, that you understand this is what was going on. That's what he was doing in that moment. In that morning, when I was saying, um, when the Lord said to me, look, don't worry, I've got this. He also said one other thing, which was slightly alarming, and I kind of chose not to listen to it. But he said, look, Phil, it's okay, I've got this. But just remember, your personal comfort is not my main priority. Yeah. And I thought, ooh, that's, that's kind of... I wish I hadn't heard that. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying is, you know, everyone's kind of looking at this from a point of view of the economy's going to fall, the pound's going to fall, the FTSE's going to fall, and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, that, therefore it's the wrong decision. But I believe God is doing something. God is doing something in our nation in order to prepare us for this move of God that's coming. That's what I believe is happening. On that morning, I said, Lord, I, you know, it doesn't, I'm not going to try and convince anyone, but Lord, whatever needs to happen, just move the hearts of the people today. Move the hearts of the people. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, just come and move upon our land. I felt like the Lord was saying, 
you need to get my perspective on what is happening in the nation, not on the decision, like forget all of that. What is happening in the nation? What is my priority? Okay, if my personal comfort is not his top priority, which I was a little bit cross about, um, what is? And I feel like he said to me, it is that none should perish, but all should come to eternal life. That is my heart. I am so much more interested in people's hearts than finances or things or, or whatever. And I am going to allow the conditions for revival to be brought about in our nation. That is what is going to happen in these coming days. And so I said, okay, you're the boss, let's go. And uh, we prayed, and of course, uh, the, whole, the rest is history. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go on to this. I just want to look at this, at this word just for a moment before... I kind of talk about how are we to respond in the wake of what's happened now, okay? Uh, But I do want to just look at the word itself about this lightning being released from heaven because there is a theme going on at the moment which I cannot escape from, not least of which there seems to be a lot of lightning around at the moment, doesn't there? I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, if you... Almost every day on the BBC, there's another kind of major lightning strike across the world. First of all, it was in France, and there's, you know people got struck in a park, and then it was over in Germany, and then in India, 93 people were struck by lightning in the same day. It was like, I just don't remember seeing these things on the news like that, but it was kind of all within a few days. And, and everywhere we've gone, it's sort of like dark clouds over and kind of moody and broody and like close and muggy and you know uh, just as if it's like they're ready to go and I just can't seem to escape it at the moment and I and I think God is speaking to us through it and it is to do with this word it is to do with this word so uh, one one thing just again to set a little bit of context is I want to remind you of a dream that I had a little while back, I can't remember exactly when, but sometime probably in the last year or so. Um, but it was a dream where, um, if you remember, I was, I was driving around in this big old car, this old Ford Granada, do you remember that one? And I've got this big journal on the side, on the passenger seat beside me, and I'm driving around, and then I, I drive into this, I'm very proud of this car, it's kind of like... It's really the, the, the bee's knees. It's the height of luxury, or it was in 1970. Um, and I drive it into this car park. I park it, I get out of the car, turn around, and it's gone. It's vanished. And I just have this kind of moment of panic. <gasps> My big journal's in there. I've lost it. Where can I get it? The car's gone. I only just got that car, you know. And... Um, and I ask around and no one's seen it and I'm just thinking, oh. But they all say they'll keep an eye open and they'll let me know if they find it. But I don't hold out much hope. And the dream moves on to another um, stage where I'm sitting at this big long table that is laden with food, a great feast. And uh, as I'm, there's no one else at the table, just me sitting at the head of the table and I'm looking at all this delicious food out there. And as I'm watching, this huge eagle comes and lands on a perch right in the middle of the table. And I'm thinking, that doesn't look safe. 
and this big eagle coming and sitting in the middle of the table. But almost in an uncontrollable fashion, I put my arm up and this eagle comes and swoops over and lands on my arm. And I think that looks even less safe. And, uh, and I, I do this thing, I, I kind of begin to contain it. And as I do, this thing gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it's the size of a budgie and kind of flitters off. <laughs> kind of weird, okay. But. And then the third stage of the dream, now this is the important bit that I want to focus on, um, is that, because the dream moves on to stage three, I'm sitting on the floor with a huge sheet of white paper and I have this map drawing pen, this rotoring pen in my hand. And it's like a magic pen because as soon as I touch it to the paper, all of this beautiful map starts coming out and contours and places and names and uh, all of these different things and the sea and the ocean and all of that. And I, and I draw, and I can't draw for toffee, seriously can't draw for toffee, uh, but this beautiful map comes out and it's even got a title on the bottom, I think it said Map of the East or something. And, um, uh, and it's got Great Britain, it's got Europe and it's got Asia kind of right next to the three things, right next to each other. Then as I'm uh, sitting there and all this detail's come, I know that I've got to put the pen to the map again and draw all of these dark clouds over the UK, over Europe and over Asia. Big dark clouds over them. And I do that and fill it in. And then finally, I know that the next thing I've got to do is put the pen to the map again and draw lightning and lightning is going to strike the, the ground in all of these places. And I have to start with Great Britain. And so I'm literally just going to do it. And I wake up. And uh, Heather says, oh, it's a cup of tea. And uh, <laughs> no, she didn't. That sounded like Avril, didn't it? <laughs> um, but <clears throat> no, I woke up. And actually, I, I woke her up and said, look, hey, I've had a dream. And then, I, I don't know if you've got it there, have you, darling? You, All oh, right, it was in Ezekiel, wasn't it? So then she's kind of doing her daily reading and uh, gets to this place in Ezekiel, which kind of got lots of kind of woes and deaths and, and all of that sort of stuff in it. But in the very bit she's reading, the Lord speaks to Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, draw a map on the ground and show the way that Babylon will come and invade uh, the nation. Two roots, it was, on the thing. And I just thought, what are the chances of me having a dream about drawing a map and it being in the daily reading, God telling Ezekiel to draw a map? And he had to prophesy through drawing the map. So, anyway, this is why I, I believe God's in this. But what about the dark clouds and the lightning? So, the gist of what I think was going on in that dream was the old thing, the comfortable Granada, the old journal, was like where we've got to in the prophetic. It's kind of that comfortable place. It's the personal journal. It's the God loves you, my son, you know, I'm very proud of you. And all of that, that stuff that we've become quite comfortable with and it's really good, it, it's encouraging, it's comforting, it's strengthening a la uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and all of the guidelines that it gives for prophecy in that. But there is a shift and a change that is coming whereby the prophetic is going to get a lot sharper and a lot more accurate and we are going to get to prophesy into nations. We are going to actually get to call out what happens across different lands, okay? 
And I think the middle bit was a warning for me. There is this kind of huge feast there that can come through the prophetic, but a warning not to try and contain it and reduce it because you'll make it of no effect. Effectively, if you try and do that, you have to embrace the prophetic exactly as it is, exactly as it comes, and just kind of really run with it. And Mark, Mark was saying this to me about the building. He was saying, for goodness sake, don't reduce it down because you don't think you'll have enough money. That's exactly what that dream was talking about. Don't keep the pattern exactly as he showed you. So, anyway, that was the dream. But what about these dark clouds and the lightning? Because what is that? I mean, at the first I thought, is that a sense of foreboding? Is something kind of awful going to happen? Because dark clouds and lightning sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? Uh, but then the more I sort of waited on it and the more I prayed about it, I thought, no, this is not. This is about a time of encounter. And I began to remember a few, um, a few scriptures. So, well, yeah. Okay, so... The, the first one was, is in Exodus, Exodus 19. So let me just read some of this out and kind of see if it begins to uh, resonate at all with you. Exodus 19.9. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. And Moses told the Lord what the people had said, and then the Lord t- told Moses... Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day for on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off the boundary around the mountains. Warn the people, be careful. Don't go up there or even touch the boundaries. And all of that. Sound the long uh, ram's blast and then blah, blah, blah. And so on the morning of the third day, The thunder roared, the lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. And there was a long, loud blast from the ram's horn, and all the people trembled. And Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire, and smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln. And the whole mountain shook violently at the as the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder. And Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. And the Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called to Moses from the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. Whoa. Now that's what I call an encounter. Psalm 97. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. That's us. We're a coastland and we will be glad. Dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire spreads ahead of him and burns up all his foes. His lightning flashes out across the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. And, of course, the, the one that Dave quoted this morning, 2 Chronicles 5, the trumpeters and the singers perform together in unison, or in unity, uh, to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. And they raise their, vo- raise their voices 
and praise the Lord with these words. He is good, he is good, his faithful love endures forever. And at that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. You know, so I'm looking now at these clouds and this lightning coming on the UK, coming on Europe, coming on Asia. And I believe it's God telling us he not only wants a time of national awakening for the UK, I think that's, that comes first. I think that's kind of where we're at. That's what he wants to do. That is his heart. He wants to visit us with his presence. And, you know, we have his presence. I know that we're filled with his presence. We enjoy his presence. But this is kind of different in a way. It's like it's a level of experiencing the presence, isn't it? And I know you can. there are different levels because I've experienced different levels at different times. And I want the good stuff. I want the stuff where people can see it, where it begins to affect the community around us, where it begins to affect the people on the street, where the glorious presence of the Lord surrounds us, fills us, inhabits our meetings. When we worship, that cloud just comes and just dwells amongst us. And, you know, there are so many stories of that happening uh, in revivals throughout the land. And this is going to be one of those places. The United Kingdom is going to be one of those places. And I think many churches, all at the same time, are going to experience this kind of visitation of his manifest presence such that we haven't experienced before because it is for a time such as this. It is the, it's the precursor of bringing the harvest in. As Dave was saying this morning, getting ready for that final harvest where Jesus will come back with the heavenly hosts and kind of it all finishes. We're getting pretty close now, okay? So... So what, what of it then? And I, I think what the Lord's saying to us now is in the wake of what's happened, you know, it really is a kind of like it or lump it type time, isn't it? I mean, it's like, the, I don't know, there's someone raising a petition to get, the, get a remark of the exam. Um, but I, I'm not sure that that can work. But I think we're in this situation now and it is time to move on. It is time for us to move on and it is time for us to readjust our focus not on the economy not on the environment not on the kind of different funding and stuff that's happened not on the don't get me wrong the European Union has done a lot of good stuff we have clean beaches because of them you know Uh, there's been some good things that have happened so I'm not I'm not saying that you know the whole thing's evil and all of that all I'm saying is I think we're supposed to be separate at the moment. It's like, I don't know kind of what it looks like in the future, but I think at the moment we're just supposed to be separate. And, but we've got to take our eyes off these things now. We've got to move on from it and get our eyes on what is the heart of God for our land? What is the heart of God for our land? What is the heart of God for the United Kingdom, for those people who are in that little map that Jean Darnell saw. And I think that is England, that is Wales, that is Scotland, that is Ireland. It is like, that is the bit that she was focusing on, okay? And I think that is going to come. And so we need to move past the disappointment, 
move past the hurt, move past the fear. There's been a lot of fear around, hasn't there, in all sides. And we need to engage with God at this time because we need to actually grab hold of things in the spirit. It, the things have gone into a bit of a free fall at the moment. It is total chaos. The, half the conservative government's resigned, half the Labour opposition has resigned, all the cabinet have put their, off, uh, put their resignations in today. And, you know, and it's kind of all seems very chaotic. And this is just like I was saying when Samuel brought the word back to the land in Israel and he kind of brings the prophetic word, launches it, and it gets totally chaotic for a while. Like Eli the priest dies and the sons Hophni and Phinehas lose the ark to the Philistines and it all gets very, very chaotic for a while. But then the true purposes of God begin to emerge. The kings of Israel, the forerunner Saul, who kind of does a certain way, and then King David, finally, who was a man after God's heart. And the true purposes of God begin to emerge through. And that's what we've got to have our eyes on. We've got to be a prophetic people, not anchored in the circumstances, not anchored in the fear, not joining in with the prophets of doom, We're all doomed. But to be looking forward to the future, the vision that actually it's this is it's good. It's good what's going to happen because revival is coming to the United Kingdom and he has chosen us to be a part of it. We're going to take it all over the place, I think, and we're going to go to different places over the country and I believe we're going to go to Europe with it as well. I believe we are. I don't know how that works yet. Honestly, practically, I might have said it would be a lot easier if if we were, um, if we had a kind of open borders and all of that. But anyway, we're we're going, we're going forward for that. So I want to just finish up with this bit because um, what's in the process of moving forward, I. I've been sort of quite shocked, in a way, by some of the things that have been going on during the process. I I don't shock easily, but man, there's been some negative stuff out on the social media, and and it's kind of kind of quite ugly from people that I thought I knew pretty well, and uh, uh, and I've had to sort of kind of do a few unfollows and stuff to things because I just didn't want to see that stuff. But I think, and probably we've all done a bit of it. We've probably all made judgments. We've probably all kind of joined in a bit. We've probably all got a little bit tainted with the same brush because this sectarian thing happens. There's this side and there's that side. And we're right because, well, we're right, you know, and you're wrong because well, you're wrong. And, and you get this division that comes out. And that is not of the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom culture is something that is very different. And, you know, we've been learning a lot about the culture of honour in the church over the last six, seven years. We've probably taught on it, you know, yearly, if not more, all of that time. And now is the time to put it into practice. You know, it's... 
like those little posters of the kitten holding onto something with one claw, you know, suspended above, got a bucket of water or something, and it says, faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. <laughs> and it's like, this is where it gets tested. We've had the, we've had the theory, okay? We've had the theory in the lessons. It's now time for the practical. It's time to embrace the theory, put it into practice, and really honour each other. So let's just remind ourselves, kind of what is that, that honour? What is that, that culture of honour? We know that it's important. You know, uh, one of those scriptures that we looked at, Matthew uh, 13, 54, where Jesus it goes back to his hometown and he's trying to heal the sick and he's trying to have a good kind of Pentecostal meeting and they're not having it because they say, well, he's just a carpenter's son. You know, he's no one. What's he doing up there and all of that stuff? And, and because of their unbelief, he was unable to do anything except for heal a couple of sicknesses, which was a bad day for Jesus. He, uh, that'd be a good day for us, you know, just get a couple of sicknesses healed. It was a bad day for him. He normally got everyone healed. But because of their unbelief, and it is written that a prophet is not without honour except in his hometown. And so we can receive that that lack of honour of Jesus receiving him as to who he was actually staunched the flow of the kingdom. It stopped it. Now, you know, we've taught about this so Forgive me if it's teaching grandma to suck eggs. I'm not sure where that saying came from, but it's a well-known one. But it is like, like this receiving the kingdom is like kind of we're connected up with a piece of pipework, okay, from heaven to us. And there is kind of a tap on each end. Now, if you turn one of the taps on and the other one's off, nothing's going to flow. If you turn this one on and that one off, nothing's going to flow. You have got to have both taps on. And this is what it's like when someone is in front of you with a gift. Someone's got a word. Someone's got a prophetic word for you. They could have all the faith in the in earth. Let's say they're praying for healing. They could have all the faith in the world to pray. But if that honour is not there at the other end, that's your tap. You have to open your tap and they have to open their tap and then the kingdom can flow. See, Jesus did not have a problem with lack of faith, one presumes, because he was perfect. He had the spirit without measure. So his tap was permanently on. But the people of Nazareth where he went, they had their tap turned off because he said he's just the carpenter's son. We know in Ephesians 6, it says, honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. You know, it is that honour releases life. It just, it, it does. It kind of allows that life to flow. And so it's part of us turning our tap on. We're talking about it again. We are a, a body of people and if there is not honour between different parts, it kind of stops the thing dead in its tracks. Right there, you know. We, have, we were saying this in the prayer room just before we started. We have got to have that culture where we really honour 
everyone who kind of stands up and offers something here, everyone who leads worship there, everyone who kind of brings a word, we have to honour them and receive them in order to let that gift flow. And it is a culture. It's a culture that happens amongst us. If we're sitting there with our arms folded and saying, well, he's not much cop tonight, you know, the problem is probably not with him. (laughs) Because... We receive, we pull the gift from the person. When we have our honour tap open, we are drawing that gift from them. That's what happened with Jesus in Nazareth. They had their honour taps off. And so we need to do that with one another, everyone, because everyone carries the Holy Spirit within them. They're full. They've been baptised, they carry the Holy Spirit, they have gifts of faith, of prophetic words. But unless your tap is on, that gift is not going to get released. So we need to do this now. It says in Ephesians, doesn't it? Work hard, strive. There's not many things in the New Testament that it says strive for. But it does say strive for the unity of the Spirit. Work hard for it. That's, what, that's our definition. That's our kind of little lighthouse definition of what honour is about. It is working hard to make someone else look good. That's the whole thing. And you see, the thing with the sectarian thing and the I'm right and you're wrong and the sort of slightly entrenching entrenching yourself, entrenching, is that a word? Um, Is that by by holding on to that, you're saying, well, I'm right and I, I I want to be seen to be right. You know, we have to lay that stuff down now and we have to bless and we have to restore that unity of the Spirit. We have to work hard for it because that is the atmosphere that makes us a lightning conductor. When that lightning from heaven gets released, it is going to come down and it is going to find a place. And, you know, it says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? And faith is, is that thing, that belief, that expectation. Well, it is also the atmosphere that we create, the atmosphere of honour amongst us. So we, we're going to um, spend some time now having communion, okay? And I just thought it would be a really good time. Communion is just a great expression that we are one body. Now, I did promise I'd tell that story, didn't I? The, the little thing of the cats. Because, you know, I, I heard someone say many, many years ago a definition of unity uh, versus union. Okay? Uh, you can get two cats and tie them together by their tails and hang them over a washing line. And you have got union, but you have not got unity. If you imagine the picture of them kind of dangling over and all of that stuff. We are to strive. We can have union, but what we need is that unity. Unity. And that is, the, that, is that whole thing where you're not just together, but that you're actually of one mind, of one heart, of you're really working to it. You would, you would take a bullet for the person next to you. You know, it is... It's, it's that sort of feeling. It is the, man, 20 years, we've been through a lot. And I believe, actually, that pretty much everyone here would take a bullet. <laughs> that actually, we are family. Uh, but we need to take a choice to move on. And 
Communion is a great expression that we are one body in Christ Jesus. That he shed his blood. You know, we think we've had a bad day in the last few days. He had the ultimate bad day, didn't he? For us, in order that we could be one body together. In order that we could be in relationship with the Father. And uh, he paid that price, that ultimate price. Uh, So it is up to us to honour each other to kind of just come. And I I think as we do this, it will be really good just to spend a little bit of a moment to think, okay, uh, let's kind of just take stock and review. Have have we lost it anywhere along the line? Have we said anything that's been a bit unkind? Have we um, kind of made some judgments against people? You know, the, the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged yourself. It's kind of a sowing and reaping thing, okay? So, I know I have. I've done some judging over the, <laughs> over the last few weeks. And it will be good just to say, look, Lord, forgive us. Let, us. let us come. Let us have a clean slate. We want our eyes focused on your kingdom. We want our eyes focused on your purposes, your agenda. Not our agenda, not our perceived agenda, not the government's agenda, not... Any of this stuff, we want our eyes on your agenda. Because your heart is that none, none should perish, but all should come to eternal life. That is your heart. That is the whole reason that everything has been done. Everything, why Jesus went to the cross, why he shed his blood, why he gave up his life, was so that people out there could really uh, just come into that relationship. And, you know, one of the ways that they will see that, the outside world, is by this shall men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, it is is as they look on and see us in unity, see us not in union, fizzing and spitting and scratching, but in unity, truly honouring and loving and serving and just going the extra mile for each other, bigging each other up, giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know, just loving, really loving each That is how people will know that we are his disciples and we'll, they will get added to the church. And that will make us into that landing pad for, a, for what is about to happen. So, okay. Oh, I, I will just say, in finishing that um, I read a little word from Jean Darnell on the, on the interweb the other day. In fact, just the day after the thing. And uh, let me just read this out. I mean, I don't, it's not, I, I don't think it'll upset anyone. Um, Jean Darnell, I am always interested in what is happening in Europe, particularly in relation to Britain. So today's news that the British people voted to leave the European Union is amazing. Few expected this to happen, yet it is interesting to know that there have been prayer vigils throughout Great Britain uh, while there was a record-breaking turnout at the polls to vote on this issue. Apparently God has answered prayer in order to accomplish his sovereign will for Britain and the future of Europe. And there's a little bit more. You can search for that and read the kind of details of it. But um, she is exhorting us to carry on praying, carry on praying and 
receiving the sovereign will of God. And just to tie it up, because that's where the original word came from, and she's been, she's been watching it and looking at it, and so that's it, good. So, right, let's go into a time of prayer. Um, I wonder if we could put some gentle music on. What's the gentle one? There's a there's a there's a Bethel one, isn't there? There's a Brian Johnson one that's got love came down. Love came down, love. Hey hey. Because I'd like us to just start just by being quiet before the Lord for a moment. And uh, I think the the first thing is to just sort of get our hearts right before God. And if we know that we have, um, if, if we know that we've slipped up, then let's just deal with it. It's, it's kind of really easy to deal with sin. You just ask for forgiveness and, um, and he forgives you. That's kind of how it works. It's great. So Lord, Holy Spirit, just will you just kind of move upon us?